What's going on, family? Pastor Sergio Chavez reporting live and direct to you and yours. And listen, I wanted to take a moment to thank you for tuning in to the Hope Huddle Podcast, your place for inspiration, hope, and empowerment. Prayer is one of the most powerful weapons that God has given us. It's a powerful weapon against discouragement. It's a powerful weapon against depression. It's a powerful weapon against anxiety. It's a powerful weapon against the challenges that we face on a daily basis. Prayer is one of the most powerful weapons that God has given us. I love where the author, her name is Beth Moore, when she once stated, there are parts of our calling, works of the Holy Spirit and the defeats of darkness that will come no other way than through furious, I love this, furious, fervent, faith-filled, unceasing prayer. I love what another author, Max Lucero declared when he said, our prayers may be awkward, our attempts may be feeble, but since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not in the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. I love that. And a lot of times when it comes to prayer, a lot of thoughts come to mind, either we don't feel worthy to pray, or either we don't know how to pray, or either we just put it in our minds that we don't have the time to pray, or we believe that it's really not that important to pray, or we believe that it really doesn't make any difference. And uh, some of us believe that it's just become something over, overly complicated and just intimidating and overwhelming, but that was never God's intent when it came to prayer. And so I want to get in the scripture and really understand when Jesus himself taught about prayer. Last week, I began to share how God desires our prayers, how he, he, he desires humble prayer, and he wants us to shut out the distraction, shut out the noise. And we began to look at Matthew chapter 6, and we began to look at Luke chapter 11. Those are two different occasions in which Jesus is teaching his disciples on prayer. One of them is with the multitudes, and he's teaching on prayer, Matthew chapter 6. Then one of the disciples, as we're getting ready to read, uh, uh, one of the disciples goes up to him after he was praying, and, they, and he asked this disciple, teach me how to pray, And so here we are. Let's look at Luke chapter 11. And again, I want you to bear with me. I want you to be patient with me. Again, this, is may, this may not be um, a, a typical Sunday, so I want you to indulge me, and I want you to just, just follow along with me. This is Luke chapter 11, one of, the, one of the two occasions in which he's saying this prayer. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Can you say teach us? Okay, say that like you ate some breakfast. Say teach us. Just as John, John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, he didn't say if you pray, he said when you pray. He assumed we would pray because he desires our prayer. When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Now, you have Matthew chapter 6 there. Now go to Matthew chapter 6 in your scripture, and let's read that together. We're in chapter 6, and this is verse 9. He's essentially saying the same basic prayer, just a little different. Again, now he's speaking to the multitude, a different occasion. And he says in verse 9, then this is how you should 
pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The reason why Jesus is teaching on prayer and the wording is a bit different on different occasions is because what he desired when he was teaching on prayer was for not to use this as a ritual or something that just we recite and we say, well, I just got my prayer time out of the way. Heavenly Father, who I don't have a hallelujah. He was saying, I don't want you to use this as a precise ritual or a magic formula that you say a couple abacadabras, you say a couple hallowed be your names and then everything is just gonna be washed away. That wasn't his intent. That's why the wording is different because really what this was about, it was more about the intention and the attitude with which we should approach prayer with. And so today, I'm gonna break, I'm gonna break this prayer down. Is it all right if I break it down today? Are you still here with me today? All right, just look at the person beside you and tell them, don't fall asleep on pastor. Don't fall asleep on pastor. Because I'm going to take the slow walk today. I'm going to slow walk the dog. Is that all right with you? I'm going to take the scenic route. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The scenic route? I'm going to preach like a woman shops. <laughs> pastor, that's toxic masculinity. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just had to get that off. Yeah, I know I have, I, I'm, I'm, I've been married, you know, now what, eight years and I have two daughters. I'm, over, I'm overwhelmed and overpowered by the women power in the crib, so I just had to get a little joke off there. Uh, we're going to take the slow walk. We're going to take the slow walk. So he says there, our Father. Let's start there. He says, when you pray, say it this way or pray with this attitude or pray with this intent our father in heaven matthew chapter 6 he is very particular about letting us know that we should approach god as a what as a father this means that it's a privileged title. It demonstrates a privileged relationship. In the Old Testament, if you look at the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, we don't see great men and women of God praying to the Lord this way. So Jesus now is opening up to us a new and great pathway to intimacy with God. And I don't know if that excites you today, but as I was studying this, I couldn't help but to be overwhelmed with joy. I couldn't help but to be overwhelmed with gladness that I can come to God as a father. He didn't say, come to me and say, oh, sir, oh, sir, and oh, Lord, and oh, heavenly king, although he is these things, oh, majestic one, although he is these things, uh, he is all these things, but he's saying, come to God saying, heavenly father, and that excites me to know because some people in this place have never known what it is to have a heavenly, uh, uh, to have an earthly father, but I want to let you know that you have a heavenly father. There's some people in this place that may not know what it is to experience the love of a real father in the earthly realm. You may not have had the attention and the affection and the appreciation and the affirmation that a father gives here on earth, but it's so good to know that we have a heavenly father that looks down with, uh, to us with eyes of compassion, with eyes of love that looks to you and he says, you are my child, you are beloved, you are beautiful, you are precious in my sight. It excites me to know that he says, when you have a conversation with God, approach him saying, 
father. He is a father. Can you say that with me? Father. And he says, Father who is in heaven. This is letting us know that he is our heavenly father. And, and, and the scriptures declare he is a God of majesty and dominion. Oh, Lord God of our fathers, you are not God. You are not God in heaven. You do not rule. Uh, uh, you are the one who is in heaven. You are the one who rules over kingdoms, nations. And your hand there is power and might. No one is able to withstand you. Second Chronicles. Then Psalm 115 declares, he is a God of power and might. Our God who is in heaven, he does whatever he pleases. Psalm chapter 11 verse 4, he sees everything. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids test the sons of man. He is a father that is in heaven because he is above anything and everything. He is a good father. He is a loving father. He is an amazing father. He is a majestic father. He is a faithful father. He's a father that will never leave you. Scripture says the mother and father leave you with everything. The Lord will pick you up. He will not abandon you. He will not leave you. And some of us struggle with this concept because we never saw a figure of a father. But God says, I love you in this way. Let me be your heavenly father. When you pray, approach God like you're a child. Some of us are intimidated by prayer because we come fearful and we come with shame and we come with guilt. And you're saying he will not accept me. He will not receive me. But I'm so glad to know that I can tell you today that you can approach God and his throne as a child because he looks to you as your father. Heavenly Father, hallowed be your name. Hallowed, what does that word mean? Hallowed means to be set apart. It is to say there is no one like God. It is to say that he is completely unique, not just a super person or a better person. And then it says, hallowed be your name, your name. In those days, whenever someone was given a name, it talked about their character. See, nowadays you just give any kind of name. Nowadays people are just naming them, you naming people after stars and galaxies and you're naming people after, 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 uh, uh, um, uh, airplane lines and you're naming them after uh, after fas fashion uh, 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 lines and, and you're, you're, people are just combining all sorts of names. But see in those days, names were taken very seriously. Whenever you gave a, 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 a child a name, you were declaring the character that they would have. So he's saying, hallowed, separated, set apart, unique, no one like you, no one better, no one stronger. Hallowed, be your name, your character. Your name is one that is set apart. Your name is unlike any other. And the scripture says, the scripture says that every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess to the name of Jesus. Jesus is the name that is above every name. The name Emmanuel, Yeshua, it means God with us. It means Savior. It means Messiah. Hallow be your name. Your name is set apart. You are Messiah. You are King. You are Father. You are majestic. You are amazing. No one like you. See, when you pray, you got to tell God how amazing he is. Nobody like you, God. I don't know if you've ever prayed those prayers. God, nobody like you. Trust me, I've trusted and tried relationships, friends. I've tried substances. Nobody like you. I didn't get high back in the day, but nothing has got me the way I feel because of what the Spirit has done with me. Nothing has been able to give me joy. Nothing has been able to satisfy my life the way I wish I had somebody in this place. Nobody like you, God. You are before everything you are creator you are amazing you are hollow 
Your name is great. Your name is powerful. When you pray, Father, intimacy, a close relationship. There is no barrier before us and God now through Jesus because of what he's done. The sacrifice that he made for us to have fellowship, connection, relationship. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. We should pray what Jesus was teaching us that when we pray, we should long for God's kingdom above everything else. That's why also in Matthew 6 it declares, seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and everything else will be added on to you. We should long for the kingdom. What does kingdom mean? It means the rule and reign of Jesus on earth. What does that mean? It means that in everything that we do, we reflect Jesus. So if we're in business, we reflect Jesus. In our marriage, we reflect Jesus. In our parenting, we reflect Jesus. And who is this person of Jesus? He is love. He is compassion. He is forgiveness. He is a, a restorative figure. He is a per and so we should reflect the kingdom. It means to build, it means to impart, it means to lift the name of Christ in whatever we do, the rule and reign of Jesus. And how does it begin? It begins with us. In order for that rule and reign for the kingdom of God to invade the earth, it starts with us and that's why the next thing he declares is your will be done. We should pray with a desire to see God's will and for that to be put first. If you notice the beginning of this prayer, in this prayer, God is teaching us when we pray to put his interests before ours. I know I'm missing some of y'all already. He wants us to put his interests before ours. His name, his kingdom, his will are primary. This is what he's teaching us. Our needs will get addressed. <laughs> yeah, same, but what about me? Our needs will get addressed. But I want you to understand that prayer isn't a tool to get what we want from God like it's some sort of, like it's some sort of, like God is a, a, a genie or some sort of figure that we just come to when we need things. No, no, he wants us to have a genuine relationship in which we talk to him. God wants us to also pray for our daily practical needs. So we place his interests, his desire, his kingdom, his will before ours, but then he also says, Lord, give us our daily bread. When I was studying this, it just made absolutely no sense. I said, how do we go from talking about kingdom and all these majestic things and all these amazing and powerful concepts to now talking about bread? <laughs> I, I don't know if you've ever asked yourself that, but I, I, as I was studying, I just began to say to myself, why is he talking about bread? Give us our daily bread when he's talking about kingdom and then he's talking about some wonder bread, some baguette, a croissant. Here's what Jesus was teaching his people. Because even theologians have, have pondered about this, but here it is, and I want you to, to really take note of this, is that God does care about our everyday life. Even the things that seem mundane, God is interested in that. It's not just with the most critical things in our lives, but God is interested in every aspect of our lives. He cares about your emotions. He cares about your thoughts. He cares about 
from the minuscule, small details. He cares about all those things. That's why he used that particular picture. He says, give us our daily bread because he cares about the mundane, everyday things in life that we need. And so he says, give us our daily bread. The attitude with which we should come to God with is, God, I'm gonna come to you with everything. I'm gonna come to you with everything. My everyday life, my struggles, my battles, my setbacks, my vulnerabilities, and also my victories, the strengths you've given me, the gifts you've given me. God, here I am, I give you all that I am. And then it says, forgive us our sins. In the same way that we need bread, bread to sustain us for our physical bodies, then he's talking about what we need to sustain our soul, and that is forgiveness. He says, forgive us our sins, as we also forgive those who have owed us or those who are indebted to us. Important that he talks about forgiveness because this is what we as humans tend to struggle with the most because we get trapped in offenses. We get trapped in what people have said about us and that has held us back. We get trapped in how someone has treated us and we hold resentments, unforgiveness, bitterness, and I always say unforgiveness is like wishing somebody else would die, the person who offended you, but you're drinking the poison yourself. It will always hold you back. Unforgiveness is desiring the worst, but truly what it's doing you is, is, is trapping your soul. So what he's saying, the same way that for your body you need physical bread, for our souls we need forgiveness. Then he goes on to say, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Here's the true heart of prayer. True, true prayer is always offered to God knowing how weak we are within ourselves. I don't know if you've ever been real with God and you just come transparent, honest, and open and, and about your weaknesses, about your, about your failures, about the things that you've done wrong. True prayer is always offered knowing how weak we are within ourselves and how much we need God. And so when Jesus is saying, lead us not into temptation, this is not temptation as we would understand it in, in the English language. See, in the Greek, in the Hebrew in which the scripture was written, it was written in, in Hebrew and Greek in parts in Aramaic. Uh, the, the same word that we would translate into one, uh, it could be used in different ways. And so here, the word temptation is really literally a test. He's saying, lead us not into the test. Deliver us when we go through difficulties, when we're, when we're, when we're being challenged and when we're, and when we're being uh, uh, tested to go down a path of evil. He's saying, deliver us, protect us. The attitude with which we should approach prayer is saying, God, I need you to give me strength. I need you to help me. I don't know if you've ever prayed that prayer. I, pro I probably am the only one here. You probably never needed anything from God, but I know I've been through some seasons in life where I've had to cry out to God, God, I need you. Do I have a witness in the house? Because if you don't do this for me, it's never gonna happen. If you don't open that door, that door will never open. God, if you don't heal my heart, I don't know what will. If you don't deliver me, I don't know what else I'm gonna do. I'm gonna lose my mind. I might be the only one that has that testimony, but I wanna know if there's anybody in this place that's ever had to say, God, I need you now more than ever. I need you in my circumstance. I need you in my trial. I need you in this difficulty. I need you when I'm being tested. I need you. True prayer 
is one that goes to God when we're in the test. Not just when things are going well, not just when things are going bad, but everywhere in between and anywhere in between. He's saying, in our weaknesses, in the tests, in the battle, deliver us, strengthen us. I know I'm weak. I know I can fail. I know that I may mess up. God, deliver me, strengthen me, protect me. A very simple prayer, but a powerful prayer. It was never meant for us to recite it verbatim and say, got my prayer time out the way. No, the attitude of it. Approaching God as a father. Talk to him as a father. Let him know with praise, worship, adoration, who he is to you, the king, the father, almighty, creator. And then he's saying, if we need forgiveness, if we need to confess, if we need to be honest, if we need to be transparent, that he can take that. I know you may share things with other people and they can't handle it, but I can, I can, I can uh, uh, firmly tell you today that there's nothing that's going to surprise God, that you can come to him with whatever's in your heart, with whatever doubts you have, with whatever fears you have, with whatever skepticism you may have, with whatever, whatever uh, battles you may be facing, with whatever challenges you may be going through. God can handle it. He's a good father. I want us in this moment, we're going to have a little intermission. So we just had a little prayer session. Y'all, some of y'all weren't, weren't anticipating, weren't, weren't, weren't prepared or ready for this. We just had a little prayer session. And so this is what you can practice at home, wherever you are, in your car, just connecting with God. You may not have the music. It may be quieter. It may be in silence. You may have some worship music playing. However you prefer to connect with the Father, you can do that. But approach him with the right mindset and attitude, saying, God, your will be done. Your interests, your kingdom. I have my needs. And you can present him before God. He wants to hear about you, your every day. But say, God, your will be done. This is the attitude of prayer. Now, <clears throat> let's move on here. Let's pull up, uh, let's pull up uh, Luke again, Luke chapter 11. I know I, I know I. All right, let's move forward. It says, let's move forward. Okay, let's go back. My apologies. Go back, go back, go back. All right, verse five. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A, fine, a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked. My children are in bed. I can't get up and get you anything. I tell you, again, Jesus is still teaching. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless, I love this, because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Verse 9, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Two things as we, as we get ready to close here soon. Two things. Pray with boldness. This is what Jesus was telling his people. Pray with boldness. He says, even though he will not get up because of friendship, imagine this scenario. 
one of your homegirls, one of your homeboys, middle of the night, come knocking at your door. I need some food because I have a guest. I have nothing to offer him or her. And so I need some bread. Can you hook me up? Imagine some of that in the middle of the night. Some of y'all would look, just tell your friend and look at them the same way you're looking at me. You look at them crazy. Like, what do you? What makes this more interesting is that during that time in ancient days, the living situation was that they would be in a one room house. And so their beds was elevated. So you have the kids, you have the whole family, they're sleeping on an elevated space, and then under you would have cattle, you would have goats and sheep and different things. So imagine this, this, this hit them more profoundly than, than it would you and I, because you, know, you and I have different living situations, but imagine your whole family is in one room. So if somebody's waking you up in the middle of the night, it's waking up the whole family. For those that have little ones in the house, you know how upset you would be if somebody woke up your kids in the middle of the night. So he's saying, a friend is coming over saying, hey, I don't have anything to offer. Can you give me some bread? The friend is knocking the door, waking the whole family up. So what he's saying is this friend had audacity, had boldness to come in the middle of the night to ask for some bread. So what Jesus is teaching his disciples is to not let anything hold you back. So often we get intimidated and we get held back. Too often we see barriers, we see obstacles for us to connect with God, and so we get held back. But he's saying you should have shameless audacity to approach God. You should approach, the scripture says, the throne of grace with boldness, not arrogance, not pride but boldness. Boldness is persistence. So your prayer should be persistent. When you persist with anything, it will cause you to value it. When you persist in any area, it causes you to value it. When you are persistent in your marriage, you value your marriage. When you are persistent with your job, in other words, committed, in other words, you keep going, in other words, you keep giving your best, you value it even more. Whatever you're persistent in, you value it more. Whatever's just given to you freely without any work, you don't value it as much. And so he's saying boldness, persistence, consistency, ongoing, you should approach his presence in the same way. The second thing he's teaching here is you should pray if we move forward. Let's go to verse 11. Verse 11, here we go. Verse 11, which of you fathers, if your son asks you for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, <clears throat> excuse me, will give him a scorpion? If you then, you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. We should approach prayer with childlike faith. There's another portion in scripture, Matthew 18. Jesus is teaching his disciples again, and he called the little child to him, and he placed the child among them, and he said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like, a little, like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest, because the disciples want to know, how can I be great? He's saying, unless you become like a child, you will not be great in the kingdom. Whoever welcomes a, a child in my name welcomes me. What is he teaching him? See, childlike faith is this. It's authentic. It's genuine. It's honest. It's real. You know, some of the most honest people are kids. 
they will not lie to you. That's why some of these, some of our babies in here that I adore and I love, they don't care if I'm preaching out here. They're going to make noise if they're hungry. They're just being themselves. They're going to they cry. They're going to get upset if they're tired. Why? Because they can't mask it. See, what happens to us in life is we learn how to put on masks. <laughs> you confront for everybody. You come up in church. How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm blessed. I'm highly favored. You know, God is good. God is great. And on the inside, you're broken and you're hurting. You have questions. You're fearful and you're doubtful. See, we all manage at some point in life to put on masks. Children don't have those masks. So what Jesus was teaching, he said, you should approach prayer this way, being real, being honest, taking off that mask. You've been wearing a mask for far too long. You've been masquerading and you've been hiding and you've been fronting for everybody else. And Jesus is saying to you today, I want you to be real with me. I want you to take the mask off. Mask, oh, take the mask, oh. Just be real, honest, transparent, no fronts, childlike faith. It's when you approach him in that way, I'm your child. I'm going to be real, I'm going to be honest. This is what I'm battling with. This is what I struggle with. These are the questions I have. I wish I had somebody. I know I'm speaking to somebody in the house. That's what he wants in the attitude of prayer. Speaking of being childlike, and I'll close with this. When I was a child, you know, the time that I grew up in is much different than the times we live in now. Um, any 80s, 90s babies in the house, let me, let me, let me know where you at. All right. That was like the weakest, woo-woo, like give me a good, good woo-woo. Yeah, 80s, 90s, you know. It was, I'm not saying it's better. Some of the youngins are already looking upset. Listen. I'm not saying it was better. I was just saying it was different. Can I tell you the times, the, the, the days we grew up in, it taught us to, uh, it taught us patience. I'll tell you that. You know, nowadays, you have everything right here. You want to watch a movie? Hold on, I got a message here. Okay, let's get in. You want to watch a movie? Boom. Want to listen to music? Stream it. YouTube, Spotify, YouTube, all of that. There was a day when you, when you wanted to watch a movie, you had to go to a place, youngins in the, crib, in, the, in the house, Blockbuster. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Where you had to walk down the aisle. And you had to, and you had to, you had to go to the front desk person and say, hey, can you take this VHS? Let me catch the preview. It had a little TV where you, and you would just grab your VHS tapes, you know. It was a process. You couldn't access it immediately. You had to go to a place. You had to get it. You had to come home. And then the worst thing is when the tape in the VHS was, was damaged. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But see, those who grew up in the hood like, like, like me know that you could cut the tape and then tape it with like regular clear tape. Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. That's all right. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if you knew this, but your pastor loves music, too. I'm a music head. I love music. A any kind of music. And the reason I loved music, I loved music and I still love music, is because 
When I was young, I couldn't just stream music. I had, to, I had to do a thing called listen to the radio and wait for my jam. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So you'll be listening, you'll be listening to the radio and you, and, and, and you remember the days where you caught the tail end of your jam so you had to wait another 20 minutes for your song to get replayed? Yeah. But see, what, what, what those days taught me was to value process. That if something doesn't come easily, that if you don't get it instantaneously, I hope I help somebody in the house today. Sometimes you gotta wait on it. And so what happened was, let me, for the youngest, y'all don't know what this is, let me, let me break this down for you. For those watching me on, on the video, uh, let me tell you what this is. So what you would have to do is, you would have to plug this in. You had to plug it into a power source. You had to, uh, you had to tune it to the right frequency, the right dial. Because sometimes you would just miss it and you gotta patiently get the dial right. Sometimes if you weren't in the right Place, anybody know what I'm talking about? Hold up, I ain't getting reception. Sometimes you will have to stretch your faith. You have to connect to a power source. See, some of you believe that the power is within you. I know what they're teaching now is it's within you. It's just you become. Nah, baby, I realized early that, that I'm weak and I need Jesus. I need God's strength. I need his power. I need his wisdom. I need his clarity. I need his guidance. I don't know about you, but I'll speak for myself. I need to be connected to the power source. And there are moments where I got to get away from people that don't have faith because it just causes static and noise. Sometimes people will just invade you with their complaints, their doubts, their fears, they bombard you, and then sometimes you just for a little bit, just for a little bit, you gotta look and say, hold on, hold on. I'll come right back to you, and you gotta connect to the power source. All right, now that I got my strength back, what you talking about? <laughs> sometimes you have to stretch your faith. Let me tell you what I learned when I was growing up. You did not give up just because it didn't work on the first time. Sometimes it would get on my nerves, you know, um, when my cousins, when they would come in, see, we used to record the jams. You know what I'm talking about? I don't know if I have the, t is it? I got a tape in here? I don't know if I got a tape in here. I don't, I don't have a tape. You used to, you could put a cassette in here and then, and then your jam would come on and you could press record so you can listen to it later. And then my cousin would just bombard and come into the room and I just have to, have to kick him out because I missed my song. So then I have to wait. But here's what happened. As I was waiting, I was enjoying other music. I'm going to help you out. See, some of you are waiting on answers. But can I tell you that, that, that what God wants you to do is to value process while you wait. 
I'm waiting on an answer. I'm waiting on my promise. But as I was waiting for what I wanted and what I believe I needed, God was, God was teaching me to enjoy while I waited. So it, well, my jam wasn't on yet, but there was a couple tunes that would come on like, hey, I like this too. And I learned new things. I discovered new things. In the same way, sometimes when we're waiting, God wants us to learn to value process. God wants us, see, I know you want it immediately. I know you want it right now, but maybe what God is taking you through is a season in which he has you waiting and I want to tell somebody today wait on the Lord see we compromise we give up we say because I'm not getting it right now it may not come when you want it but we serve a God that his timing is perfect and you can enjoy the process while you wait just wait on him be faithful in prayer because a lot of times we begin to compromise when, we're, when, we, when, we, when we say, God, I need this right now and it's not happening. So we end up compromising. We end up going before ourselves. We end up letting our emotions lead us. And so we get involved in relationships and we give our mind, our time, and our bodies to people that are leading us to a dead end because we're not waiting on the Lord for the right one. See, we end up compromising and you get into that job and you get into that venture because the other one did and you knew God said, wait on this, wait on this, but God, I'm impatient, I need this right now. And then you end up getting into a venture that ends up leaving you bankrupt and you say, God, why did I get into this in the first place? I told you to wait. See, sometimes when you wait on things, you value it much more when you get it. God wants you to value your relationship with him value his presence value his word value being in that place of of waiting value 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 don't take it for granted don't complain about it i know you want it right now but we serve an on-time god and a lot of times the answer from god is yes no or maybe later i have something better for you you just have to wait so the days i grew up in it taught me about waiting if I wanted something good, I had to wait on it. One no Amazon Prime, I had to wait on it. <laughs> and God wants to tell somebody today, I know you may struggle and you feel like nothing is happening when you pray, but just persist. One of the things that I struggle with the most and I ask God to help me with is how do I instill valuing process and patience to a generation, the generation that we live in where everything is instantaneous, everything is right now, I need it right now, and if I don't have it right now, then I just give up on it, I move on to the next thing. How do we instill patience and valuing process? And God in the scripture is letting us know that, that we have to persist. We have to be bold. We have to be confident. We have to put his interest before us. We have to persist and continue in prayer. Once again, much love and appreciation for listening to today's message. I'm so glad that you've been a part of the listening experience, but let me tell you, there's nothing like the live experience. It cannot be explained, only experienced. And so I encourage you to come out on a Sunday so you can listen to the messages live and be a part of a wonderful atmosphere within family and within community. You can find more information about our gatherings on our website at myhopecenter.org. Also make sure to follow us. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Our handle is at my 
My Hope Center. I also encourage you to subscribe to our podcast so that you get notified as soon as we upload content. Make sure to share it with your friends and your family. There's someone that you know that could really benefit from these messages. So make sure to spread the word about what's happening here on the Hope Huddle podcast. So again, I hope to see you soon. Until then, peace, love, and God bless.